0: Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian, the club going into a new year and hoping it'll be a better bloody year than 2019. Um, I'm Laurie Dunsire, with very little to introduce us as, uh, other than good riddance uh, to the year that's about to end, Mark Donaldson.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't... I've ever thought that a team that I support that are five points adrift at the foot of the table would still give me some semblance of optimism. <laughs> uh, but I've, I've, I go into a new year, and I think a few Hearts fans do, based on the reception that the players got after the Aberdeen game, with that kind of, with, with that worst thing in the world for a football fan,
0: hope. Yes, so we do have some hope. It's not all misery. Uh, we will talk about some. <laughs> we'll talk about some positives and some negatives. So we're going to talk about the last two games for Hearts. Their last two games of 2019: uh, the home derby, um, which took place on Boxing Day, and then the game also at Tynecastle against Aberdeen, which took place yesterday at the time of recording, which was Sunday, the 29th. Uh, We are going to talk about your favourite Mellie, Stramash moments and some VAR moments or hypothetical VAR moments in recent history for Hearts. And actually in uh, all history for Hearts as well. Some people have brought up some extremely older moments that could have been affected by VAR. Very topical as well, given that Rangers have just come out uh, pleading to get in Scottish football. Um, And we've not got a game to look forward to, so I guess we'll, we'll just see how it goes when we get to the end. So first up, let's talk about the last two games for Hearts. So Hearts against Hibs and then Hearts against Aberdeen. Uh, now before we get into the game, we're not going to sit and analyse them too much because we've got two games that have passed. It's funny, Mark, because before, when we had the last show, we spoke about you know the Hibs game is a big one. We need to get a win. We need three points in that and hopefully that will then give us a boost to get at least a point from the Aberdeen game. So I guess we've certainly got less... Than what we wanted results-wise, uh, one point from the two. And we'll talk about the two games. Do you feel more or less positive at this point than you thought you might when we last spoke?
1: Weirdly, more.
0: Um, <laughs> I thought you might asked, say that, which was
1: yeah, weirdly more. But if you'd asked me after the Hibs game, I would have just been, "I'm, I'm done." Yeah, that was that was a listening. Funnily enough. I listened, as I always do, to, to our podcast. Um, but this time, it was a, because, obviously, the festive period and everything like that, I wasn't at work over, uh, kind of, certainly wasn't at work on Christmas Day. I was back on Boxing Day. But I was back after the Hibs game. I watched the Hibs game in the morning, and then I was back at work after that. So I listened to the podcast, uh, especially the end, but about us previewing the Hibs game after the Hibs game had been. And, and I'm annoyed at myself for, for getting as infused and as, optimistic and as hopeful for a result in that game should we have seen it coming look it's easier it's easy after the fact so after that game and the total letdown the, the capitulation the we said it. you lose the first goal and you, you score the first goal and then then maybe but losing the first goal and, and no way back they, they weren't even good
0: yeah that's yeah. what's
1: annoying they were so comfortable and they didn't even have to be good and you see their they're, they're loss at Livingston and whatever. But I think one of the important things that we do in this podcast is not just identify problems, but try and find solutions. But we don't spend too much time harping back about if only this and if only that, because we can't change things. We can identify what's gone wrong and, and try and um, learn from that going forward. But the Hibs game was such a letdown. And I think, I think it's even more of a... Uh, What's the the best way to put this? I think the players deserve even more praise, the ones that that played against Aberdeen, for putting that behind them and coming out with that performance because it would have been so easy to feel sorry for themselves. But what I want to say is something I sent to you when you sent me a copy of the the, the lineup yesterday prior to the game after it appeared on, on the Hearts Twitter account. So I looked at that and I've got three words. I sent three separate messages to you which gave me hope legs, energy, and youth. He made a few changes. And I think we've seen now, I think when, when he took over, I said it's probably going to be a few games before we get an idea of what he's going to be like, what his team selection is going to be like. I think we've got a fair idea now about what he's looking for, who he trusts, and more importantly, Laurie, who he doesn't trust.
0: Indeed. I think the worst thing about the Hibs game is, is what you said. Now, I've, I've seen us get battered. By Hibbs before, as you have. Yep, I've seen us be outplayed and maybe get away with one or only lose narrowly, scoreline wise, but should even a lot more. It was, and I'm sure there've been games that have been straightforward like this, and I'm just not thinking of them. But it's one of those where I haven't seen us certainly not very often, lose in such a straightforward fashion where, you know, Hibbs got that first goal, and we just never got going back into it. And I didn't, like you say, I didn't think Hibbs were actually that good. Um, you know, Martin Boyle was, you know, clever, quick off the shoulder. He finished his first one well, although I thought Pereira could have uh, made a bit more of an attempt to save it. Poor error for the second. But just like that, you know, Hibs had two clear chances. One of them really gifted to them by us. And that was it, really. I mean, you know, we had a spell with some chances, but it didn't even feel like a derby almost. Apart from the fact that Hibs fans were obviously enjoying themselves, as you would. You know, you wouldn't expect anything different in the away end. It just didn't feel like much intensity, much fight from us. It just that, that felt like that was it at that point. You know, a quarter of the way through the game, a silly error, 2-0. And it was just, it was very straightforward, very simple, very easy for Hibs, which was really frustrating. They weren't made to work hard for that win. Uh, and it was you know, only their second win at Castle in, o- in over six and a half years. And you actually you know, made the, the comment on Twitter that it's only, it's the first time since, what, 1965 that they've yep. won twice in the league um, in the same year against Hearts. Yep.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you, you go through the the stats as well, and uh, we've been lucky. We've we've been lucky with a few things as Hearts fans, but our Edinburgh derby record. Um, most of us, uh, all we kind of know is is a better derby record than they've got against us. But the first time since 1977 they've won back to back derbies at Tynecastle, and what about this? The first time since 1999 that they've won by more than a goal at Tynecastle, against Hearts. So there's so many little things that that just that were so frustrating as a result of that. Um, but you know what, bigger picture, if we sit here uh, in our end of season review in May and we look back, maybe just maybe we will say that the heartache of that game was actually worth it mm-hmm. because you you should learn far more from problems from issues from downsides in life than perhaps you you do from just meandering along that was a wake-up call so maybe and i hope it's the case that we're sitting in may thinking you know what maybe that was a blessing in disguise at heart at the time my god at heart at the time but without that would we be where we are that might not be the case but i hold out hope that it will be
0: so what i'm going to do i'm not going to over-analyze the two games too too much. So what I'm going to do is go through some negatives and some positives from the games. And I'll, I'll start with the negatives because they're mainly going to be associated with the Hibs game, and then go into the positives. And most of the positive will go into the analysis of the, of the Aberdeen game. So some of the negatives for me over the last two games, in particular the Hibs game, um, slightly away from Hearts, is the, the refereeing um I thought that I thought Alan Muir against Aberdeen actually had a very poor game as well, albeit the big decision, the red card. I thought he got right, but against Hibs, and this is one thing, Uche is his own worst enemy at times. But the referees really have this; it's either very deliberate or it's they're blinded by the fact that he's just such a big guy. He gets absolutely nothing, and it was summed up a couple of times. I couldn't believe during commentary he didn't get a penalty in the first half. Um, when I think it's Halberg puts his arm round him and, and kind of makes a movement to pull him back and then they tumble over together. Uh, and then this, the one in the second half where I was actually just laughing in commentary because I couldn't quite believe it. Because Jimmy and I were talking about, oh, it's definitely a yellow. He's going to have to show Hanlon a yellow for that one. Went straight into Uchi Uchi, clearly took the ball away from him. And not only did he not book Hanlon, not only did he not give uh, a, a foul but he gave a foul against Uchi piezu for getting to the ball and then getting absolutely smashed by the hip center back. Um just just bizarre and I'm not Uchi's biggest fan uh, and I think you know you've made it clear that you're you're kind of in that boat as well. I almost think it's not going to work for him purely because he's just never going to get the rub of the green anyway.
1: Look, I wouldn't say I'm 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 not his biggest fan. Um I, I appreciate his attitude, I appreciate his willingness to get better. I appreciate his endeavour. Uh, I appreciate the fact he knows his limitations and he, he tries to improve uh, on various other things in his game. And he's, he's certainly someone I would I would have around, um, but for the type of football that, that we're going to have to play or we Daniel Sandel wants us to play, he, for me, be, becomes that type of, um, we're a goal down with 10 minutes to go and we maybe need something, need to go a bit more direct he could be the guy off the bench. And I think I've probably said before, I, I prefer him, if he plays, to start than come off the bench. But I think that's changed now with, with our style of football. So I, I get what you're saying. What, what I would say, Laurie, is this isn't new. And I'll tell you why this isn't new. Because when I used to do what you do now, commentate at Tynecastle, I've seen this before. Hearts fans have seen this before. And I'll tell you when we saw it before, it was exactly the same with Mark De Vries. Exactly the same. Tall, powerful, strong, penalized unfairly at times. Don't get me wrong, there was there were times that Uche makes a meal of it. Uche's doing the fouling, but you're right in what you say in that he seems to get penalized pretty much all the time when it's more than likely 50-50 or, or 60-40 against him. Um, but th- this isn't new. Re- referees of Referees always struggle because they don't see it very often. They struggle to deal with what the decision should be when a powerful, strong defender. It's an easy decision to give a free kick against a striker. It's a much harder decision to give a free kick against a defender on a striker because of what it results in, and that's a penalty.
0: One of the other things is actually a player who didn't play in the, the two games that we've just had. Uh, we have mentioned him before, Glenn Whelan, who, you know, he's basically been called out now by Daniel Stendel. It looks, certainly, from the reports that are coming out, this isn't inside info or anything, but just the reports that we've seen in the press. The do you news... know what I'd
1: call him? I, do you know what I'd call Glenn Whelan? What's that? And I'll I'll go out on a limb right now, we're not even at 2020. I'll call him a former Hearts player.
0: Yeah, well, it looks like, it looks like he's on his I'm, way yeah,
1: out. I'm, I'm convinced he's played his last game um, for the football club. And we said it, if you're not going to buy into what Daniel Stendel wants to do, you're no good to him.
0: Yeah, and I think... You know we saw some people you know Stephen you know Stephen Elliott from a heart striker coming out and saying oh no, you can't question Glenn Whelan's leadership I don't, we're not talking about Glenn Whelan in terms of his entire career till now but in terms of this what it looks like in the face of it someone who's signed for Hearts for a short term deal um has got a clause so he's not going to do media duties I think he came here thinking I need to keep playing ticking over in a league where you know I know I should be playing getting a game I can cut it at this level I don't think he anticipated a relegation dog fight. I don't think he thought Hearts would be fantastic, but I mean, he thought he'd come here, mid-table, maybe if they're having a good season, fighting for the top three or four places. But I thought it would be the best, the best move for him just now to keep getting a regular game, almost guarantee a regular game, and keep playing for Ireland. And obviously since Ireland's uh, qualification campaign's ended and obviously they've got the playoffs, which aren't for another three months or so, he's just looked not interested. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't care what other people say. He's had a great career up until now. I've, you know, I, I was surprised we managed to sign someone of his quality, but it doesn't matter if if you're not up for it now, like you say, it's not going to work out. So, fully behind Stendel with this. Um, and if there's anyone else who's in there lurking who who isn't committed, then I hope he finds a way to 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 get rid of them as well, whether it's maybe as publicly as this as or not. So. Just disappointing, though. Disappointing that a footballer of his kind of experience and caliber is, just, I guess, looks like he's going to going to leave as someone who will be unfulfilled. I guess in terms of what he could have done.
1: Yep, yep. And I don't want to spend too much time talking nope. about someone who's not going to be part of the future. It's it's nope. about it's about. Onwards and upwards. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be upwards because we don't have any other well, way. To we've go.
0: got no other way to go. We've got no other way to go. So, well, let's talk about some positives. So, uh, I've got quite a few. Uh, we might not get through them all because uh, we've got some other things to get to. But first up, uh, off the field, fa- the fans. Which uh, this is going to refer mainly to to Sunday against Aberdeen. I was a bit worried about this game because you know, a derby defeat with a drift at the bottom wondered what it would be like but the fans really got behind the team and I thought they were absolutely terrific Uh, and I thought one of my favourite moments was after the red card actually when you know it wasn't a case of you know the Aberdeen fans obviously they had a big cheer and it was a chance for them to get g'd up but the Hearts fans had a great roar and they gave Sean Clare an absolutely terrific reception when he went off because Hard to criticize. Uh, we'll talk about his actual the red card in a moment, but you know, hard to criticize too much. And I thought he'd been brilliant in the last, you know, the, the two games up until that point. So I thought the fans were outstanding and I thought that played a really big part in how well the team played against Aberdeen, in particular when we were kind of not pegged back, but when the game kinda of turned on its head with the red card and the goal.
1: The reception for, for, for Sean Clare, first of all I think it was it was thoroughly deserved. And and it's an appreciation as well of, of someone who is the epitome of, of what every Hearts fan would, would be in a maroon jersey. They'd, they'd give their all. They'll try hard. They'll make mistakes. But it's the lack of effort. Uh, not from Sean Clare. From, from others in the past 12 months mm-hmm. that the fans have, have it's just pissed the fans right off. Uh, Sean, Sean Clare has, has really turned the corner. And he, he's someone that... that the, the, he'll get so much from that as well, Laurie, because... I'm sure when he gets to the red card, he's thinking, oh God, I'm going to walk all over the tunnel. What are they going to be like? And then the fans went up. They got on their feet, mm-hmm. some of them. They applauded him. And he responded. He kind of gave it the, come on, with the arms. And, and I think that moment could be the moment that gets inside Sean Clare's head and makes him think, yeah, I belong here. Mm-hmm. This club's for me, and I'm going to do everything I can to to, to repay these supporters, some of whom were on his back, and probably quite rightly so. We had the conversation about booing, and I'm not a fan of of, of booing during games. Yeah. At halftime uh, and at full time, fine. I don't like when players get booed when they go off either. Um, and I know Mulroney had it, and we can discuss him later. But this is about Sean Clare, and Sean Clare has, has improved. He's put his difficulties, his his um, difficulties that he admitted himself he was having issues we all have issues in life we all most of the issues that we have other people don't know about it apart from immediate family um it's how you deal with that there are tough times you've got to tough it out and that could be the making of him and I think for the for the fans I think the bar is slightly lower right now for what hearts fans deem as acceptable yeah because we're at the foot of the table and all we're after is a sense of there's improvement there. There's there's purpose. There's there's something I can I can latch onto. There's something mm-hmm. I can get behind. And I think we saw that. It's it's so sad that just effort is enough um, to, to to get people back on your side. But that's how bad it's become. And as I mentioned earlier, Laurie, I don't want this to be a um, oh Levine did this and this is the state we're in now or whatever because we we can't change that. But it, it is a damning legacy that has been left that a one-all draw at home to to, to Aberdeen um, with with 10 men, we get a reaction like that uh, because of, of what we'd had previously and, and the, the mess that had been left by previous incumbents. So the fans were absolutely outstanding. And it's a crucial, crucial thing as well, because the last thing you want going into a break and then coming back, when you're trying to get, and, and I would feel so so sorry for those behind the scenes trying to sell tickets for the Airdrie game. And then uh, I don't even know if they're doing half season tickets this year. If we didn't have any positives from that Aberdeen game, if it was a repeat of the Hibs game, I don't know where they go from there because you're just looking for blind loyalty and blind optimism. At least we've got something that we can cling on to now.
0: And it Sean Clare was actually one of my my positives as well him in particular of course and, and you've and you've you know you've you've summed up a, a few of the points on him very well uh, and certainly the effort was there and the passion i mean I, you know you saw at the end of the hebs game he was distraught uh which you know it's not what you want to see because you see that after something's not gone for you but i think the fans even saw you know at least they saw they saw someone who cares who obviously cares about what's happening uh, but not just the effort, I, I thought he contribute. I thought he was our best player against Hibs, um, which is not maybe saying much in that game, because we were overall poor, but in both games, especially with Aberdeen, I thought he contributed a lot, not just the effort, but um, he he was very composed, he, his distribution was good, he got up and down the park very well, he gave Aberdeen a torrid time, they kept changing things around on the left, because I thought Hearts were getting a lot of joy down that side, so I think there's a lot of positives, in terms of his actual play and distribution, I think, there was a good moment. Um, there was a moment in the corner in our half in the, in the second period where um, I think it was actually not long before the goal. Actually, uh, if I remember rightly, I need to watch it again. Where Meshino almost ran himself into trouble. Um, it started ricocheting about. Looked like Aberdeen might get the ball, and Sean Clare just stepped in and zipped a fifteen-yard pass right to Hart's player and got us on the front foot. Um, wasn't uh, an outstanding pass by any means or anything like that but it just showed he was thinking about the game he had a bit of confidence and it got us going up the park so I, I thought he had a lot of a lot of positives especially in the Aberdeen game and obviously he'll be suspended for a game but hopefully he'll comes back and and continues that way one of the other players I want to highlight was Andy Irving who I, mean, I thought Sean Clare was our best player against Hibbs. I thought Andy Irving was our best player against Aberdeen I thought he was superb in the middle of the park and uh, absolutely dictated things uh, you know, Aberdeen had a, a kind of midfield three and they had the likes of Lewis Ferguson in there, Ocho so had quite a lot of battlers in there. But Andy Irving just kept his composure so many times, just stepped away from people. Lovely little touches. Distribution was terrific. I hope we see a lot more of him in that midfield because I tell you what, even if Wheelan was still available and, is, and did continue in the Hearts team, I think I'd rather have Irving every day of the week right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the the, the praise from from everyone, who watched him? And it, again, it's easy to say well, why wasn't he played before? He he played. He was given an opportunity, like we said, that that everyone should and, and probably would get once Stendhal came in. That's all you can do because he's one of the first names on the team sheet until he hopefully doesn't go backwards. But that that was a fine performance. He's a player who. There's a Anthony McDonald to an extent. But I think Andy Irvin, more than McDonald, he plays a more mature game than his years would suggest. Is that fair? Oh, he, yes, he, if, I fully agree. He's he, only he,
0: 19 he, and his, his, kind and of yeah, co- his composure and, yeah. and remaining level-headed with, with a lot going on around him, I thought it was terrific, especially as the game kind of wore on. Uh, because even at 10 versus 11... It certainly opened up because of the extra space, and Aberdeen came into it more. But I still thought we looked the more dangerous side in terms of actually, you know, creating a chance with a more measured creation of a chance. And I thought Andy Irving was still at the heart of that.
1: And going forward, he can take a lot from that, um, and he'll get Peter Haring back hopefully mm-hmm. um, not long after the the, the, the break, uh, and that'll be a big help for him as well because the leadership of the on-field leadership of players for youngsters is so important. I'll always hark back to when um Webster played with uh, with Presley yeah. and got better. Uh, even when when, when Benna was younger and and, and he played with, with more experience. I think it's I think it's vital and, and fingers crossed we can get to the bottom of Stephen Naismith's injury because I think he improves players as well on the pitch. Those who are willing to listen. And there are we've seen a couple of incidents, one with Uche, and the Uche's having none of it when, when Naismith's barking orders. But Naismith's not doing it for the good of his health. He's he's doing it to try and improve players and, and he's he's the kind of on field leader. And if if we've got Haring and, and Naismith to an extent on the pitch, I think Andy Irving can only benefit from that.
0: So just to nip through a, a few other things from the, the games. It's hard to not mention uh, Riotro Mesino because he obviously scored an absolutely fantastic goal against Aberdeen and I really hope he can kick on now because he's one of these players that does offer something different and I think when you go on later in the show to talk about your team for the rest of the season I'm sure he'll he'll feature heavily in that wonderful goal but... I just love his enthusiasm. And you saw that a couple of shots in the first half. One just kind of dribbled wide. One went well over the bar. But I think the Hearts fans like that he's someone who will be direct. Will go yeah. and try and find room, and will we'll get shots away. You know, he was unlucky not to get a goal against Hibs as well. So I yeah. think he is a really positive player. And you can see him developing more and more in the team and getting more confident as well.
1: Yeah, there was an interesting quote that he, that he gave, and I don't know who spoke to him afterwards. Otherwise, I would have credited them. But he's saying, I get the team now. I get the style yeah, of football yeah. that, that, that Hart's uh, uh, not necessarily trying to play, but it's played in, in Scotland. It's quicker than he's used to. Um, I've got a nickname for him. And it'll be a nickname for um, people of a certain age who remember this as an annoying TV ad um, in kids' TV. Uh, he's a weeble. Because weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. And he doesn't, he doesn't get, it it was so annoying, but he doesn't, he he just gets up and gets on with it. And he always bounces back. That's, That's why he's a weeble, because he's here to learn. He's here to improve. He's here to show what he's capable of, not just to hearts, but more importantly, to the team that bought him, Manchester City. Now, Manchester City on their books have got loads of players, Loads of players. And you have to be something really special to get even a sniff of their first team. And there's a lot of players there that have got so much talent, but will never make it there just for, for whatever reason. Yeah. So it's taken him a little bit of time, understandably so. It's a totally different culture to what he's used to. But this is a kid that always seems to bounce back, isn't phased, wants the ball. He's the type of player that we're going to need under Daniel Stendhal. I
0: thought it was... Really good to see Connor Washington back. and yes. I know he only came on um, later on in the game, but I think it could be really crucial to to how effective we are with Daniel Stendhal's, um new approach. And I thought you saw that. I know obviously he came on and we had 10 men, but just someone to play off the shoulder. You saw he was constantly trying to get in behind the Aberdeen defence. He's got pace and energy. And it'll just be—I think it'll change in the whole dynamic. And I know you know you say Uchi does try; he puts a lot of effort in. But I think it'll be night and day if we want to play this way. If we've got Connor Washington up there,
1: hundred percent. He's just a different. He's a difference maker. He, he, he's someone who—and we're still to see his goals um, on a regular basis. <sighs> to an extent, that's never really been his type of of game. He's—he's he's, a—he's like a. It's not a false nine. Like a pr- a
0: fa- pressing forward, isn't it? Is a-
1: yeah. There's like different letters, um, like F, W for forward, M, I, D for midfielder. There's a thing that is used in Europe, S, S, uh, second striker, okay. S, S in Euro. own <laughs>
0: getting a bit, lat- a bit Lazio for this, isn't
1: it? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Of, is that too soon? Um, second, <laughs> second striker. I, I should have gone with the, the words as opposed to the abbreviations. Um, especially when talking about Europe. But a second striker, and that he could be used as a striker, but he's also a link player. He's he's someone that will link yeah. what's around him. And I, I think right now that's what we need. And I think once I get to my my team later on, you'll 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 kind of see why I've gone with what I've gone with. Um, but you do need support, um, not isolation for a second striker. You you need the guys in behind. To, to play off him. To, it's, a, it's a bit like at, at Man United, Anthony Martial and, and Marcus Rashford swap quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Martial's not got any issue whatsoever coming wide. Now, the annoying thing for a number of teams, Eden Hazard played as a striker last season um, for Chelsea when they had issues. He still had the tendency, understandably so, to drift to the position he's most familiar with. But there was no one yeah. that would then become the striker and he would cross in... To himself, but there was obviously no one there. Um, So you do need you do need someone who, if Rashford goes wide, then Martial will go through the middle, or or vice versa. If Washington comes short, you need someone to to move forward. And I think he's he's the ideal player for this formation that we have on our books right now because we've still got the whole. Okay, if we're strengthening in January, what do we need? The team I've put together for later is a team of players who are at Tynecastle right now and then. Can be supplemented.
0: Oli Bozanic, very quickly. Yeah, we you know we were critical of him, um, and you know, had a little bit of a joke. Maybe we, we, whether we'd have a koala in that midfield or Oli Uh He certainly had spells where he's 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 not looked like he offers much to the team. In fairness to him, he came on against Hibbs, and I thought he provided a bit more energy than what we'd had. And
1: damned by faint praise, there.
0: Yes, Put and I thought koala he was koala
1: on in the Hibbs game, and it would have had more <laughs> energy than what the koala was replacing.
0: But I thought he was far more effective against Aberdeen as well. And, yes, you know, yes. A- Andy Irving was obviously doing the actual, I guess, the playmaking, the the creating, the the dictating of the tempo, and Bosanac was just more, I guess, sticking to to pressing a bit higher up and providing energy. Obviously, we will get onto your team. Does he still have a place in this team? Because I th- he's he's stood up a bit more than I thought he would, and he's he's kind of at least shown some fight determination and a bit of energy, and he's been a useful part of the team, certainly in the last game.
1: He's got a place in the squad, Laurie. Okay. That's as far as I would go. I've done my team, I've done in contention, and I've done a not-for-me. Okay. Bozan- Bozanic is an in contention. Okay. He, he, he's a guy that can be useful and can provide a bit of energy coming off the bench, and then when needs must, maybe a starter, but he's he's not a first pick, but I'd have him in my squad.
0: Finally, I thought collectively it felt like a team against Aberdeen, yes. which yes. we haven't seen a lot of the time. I thought we saw it against Celtic in parts, but it was maybe difficult to tell because we were playing a team much much better than us. I thought against Hamilton, we had some spells at the start, but it faded away, and the goal took all of that fight out of us. It was very much lacking against Hibbs, But in terms of a game, we were very much in the game. In fact, we were the better team. And I I was actually out for a pint with an Aberdeen fan afterwards. And you very much the same. You know, the full agreement that we were streets ahead of them. But for the first time against Stendhal, from start... For, for the first time under Daniel Stendhal, from start to finish, we really felt like a team. You know, when it was going well at the start... It felt like a team when we were attacking and playing well. and We were creating. It felt like a team, and then when we needed to dig in, when we got a big setback not the red, not just the red card, but to concede straight from the free kick, we still felt like a real team. And it's interesting because we had this, we had an almost identical identical setback against Aberdeen at Pitodri in the, the last league meeting. In terms of we were ahead, we conceded a free kick and got a red card from the free kick. That time it was a second yellow for for um, for Aaron Hickey and. Both times we didn't get a chance to regroup because Aberdeen scored from the free kick. They got the ball into the box at Pataudry and, and uh, they got the penalty, so it wasn't direct from the free kick, but it was basically the next phase of play. This time it was a very well-taken free kick by by Niall McGinn. Both times we didn't get a chance to regroup. At Pataudry, you just knew that we were going to lose that game when it went 2-2. We were always going to lose it. You could see we'd lost it in our heads and Aberdeen wanted to win it. This game, to be honest, even with much longer to play, with 20 minutes plus... It opened up. Aberdeen could could easily have, have, have snatched a win, but we didn't completely give up. We didn't just sit in and hold out for that one-one draw. We could have easily won it as well, and I thought that showed a lot of character in that team. Yep,
1: but that has got to be something that's produced on a regular basis. Of course, yeah. We we can't we can't have a one-off game like Saint Mirren when <laughs> even then we defended poorly <laughs> at times and, and yeah. they, they were just honking. Um, we, we we can't have that one good and then a few bad. We have to have more good than bad to begin with, and then yes. we have to build to a momentum that seven out of ten are good. Because right now one out of five isn't enough.
0: No. Welcome to the world of Weebles, welcome to Weebleville, where everyone's weebling and wobbling, and nothing ever stands still. Weebles wobble, Weebles wobble, Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Okay, moving on. Last week, uh, we could spend too much on these questions, but we could put a couple of questions out for you. Uh, one of them uh, was looking at your uh, favourite moments in Hearts games that have either been a goal from a, a melee or a stromash even the moments where it's just been a bit more of a melee just players getting involved handbags at 10 paces etc so one of the one of the great ones uh, which we be mentioned so Craig Cairns uh, of the Terrace podcast messaged saying Kitongo in the last minute to equalize against Celtic took about four deflections on the way in I, I i was standing and then celebrating on the gangway with a bunch of strangers all waiting to leave at 1-0 um Stefan Boyd mentioned this one as well and uh, Doogie also tweeted saying Katongo versus Celtic in '98. We must have been looking to play a killer pass for about 30 seconds. Then Hosey took the ball in at the edge of the box. The ball pinged about uh, for a bit, and then the wee man buried it. Bedlam followed. Uh, so I'll quickly put on the clip for for that one. This is Hosey Katongo back in '98 against Celtic.
1: Katongo's is there, twisting and turning. as a chance on there for McCann Katongo. Jim Jeffries can't quite believe it. Almost three minutes of stoppage time gone.
0: And I think we've spoken about this goal before, actually. I can't remember what the context was, but I, I watched this at my my granddad's house at the time, and I actually did a, a Klingsman slide on the carpet when it went in, which, which wasn't wasn't the best idea. But it was. It was bed. It was bedlam in my granddad's living room watching, and it was bedlam at Tynecastle. I think some of the Hearts bench ended up about thirty yards on the pitch. Was it? Was it Jeffries or was it Billy Brown who who ended up on the pitch and then suddenly looked around and realised where they were? But um, uh, it was terrific. And it was obviously at that point, it was a big game in the title race because Hearts and Celtic were neck and neck. And yep. mm-hmm. uh, a, a fantastic moment that snatched a draw, but it was an absolutely horrendous goal. Those are sometimes the best. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I don't I, mean like I, in a necessarily a bad way, but no, no. so untidy. I, 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 right? I get
1: that. And, and I remember Willie Jimison scoring against Celtic. That was the entire opposite of that. When he pinged one from 30 yards, and that was when behind the goal was um, a building site and there was the tarpaulin and there were fans who'd, who were leaving. Uh, and I think it was Paki Bonner in, in goal was just beaten by this worldie from, from Willie Jimison. So two diametrically opposite goals against Celtic in the last minute. Uh, one, a screamer, and the other, uh, a wonderful shit show of a mess.
0: G gives us a, a melee type of moment, although it's more just a square go, certainly not handbags. He just says, Levine versus Hogg.
1: remember that. My God. No one really knew because it was up the other end from where we were standing. It was a pre-season friendly, I believe it was, it was a midweek night. I can't remember which night. And it was at Rovers at Starks yeah. Park. It was a reasonable Hearts contingent, and now there's a big stand behind the goal. It used to be terracing. We were we were there, and you know what it's like. I mean, you're not really paying much attention anyway. And I, I I'd be lying if I say I can remember it. I, I remember it being there clearly, but the the whole aftermath. It was the days before kind of mobile phones and everything like that. I think it was '94 yeah. around that time. It was around that 95. time anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. Maybe and there wasn't even ra- it was a pre-season friendly, so there was no radio works, <laughs> like sports sound were on or anything. We probably had to wait until the following morning, unless there was someone on the bus or uh, who you were with that, that got a clear sight of it, um, because it wasn't like Chinese whispers. It was it was the other end of the park, and we didn't really know what had happened. Thankfully, the press box uh, at Starks Park is is right there. Uh, it's it's at the corner of that wee rickety, rackety, weird thing that stand. Um, so they were able to see, and they obviously spoke to the protagonists afterwards, or uh, those they were allowed to speak to. But that was, um, yeah, that that was strange. And I, I want I want to do, I want to do a, a, a kind of a Hearts Hardman World Cup. Um, and I want to do that between now and the end of the season. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll try and do it better than we did with the Hearts strips. But both of those two <laughs> players will be in. Levine will probably go far because... Levine could handle himself. But so this is the whole thing. Graham Hogg could as well. When Graham Hogg was at Man United, he was one of the Hardy boys. So to knock him so not spark out, but to, to send him down to the canvas uh, so he didn't beat the count of ten. I mean Hog, Hoggy was a Hardy boy. But Levine will go far in our in our Hard Man Eleven World Cup.
0: Has there been many internal Bruno. internal fights? Between Hearts players that you that we've seen, I was trying. I was trying to think of this when just when you were talking because that we've we've seen or obviously yeah I mean, I mean not ones that obviously be, there might be ones that I'm sure there's been plenty in like the training grounds and behind the scenes in yeah. the dressing room but just visible ones you know because you, you of course remember the the Newcastle one the Dyer and Boyer yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. which was ridiculous and they're both getting sent off in a in a competitive game as well but I'm trying to think if there's been any other you know notable not necessarily. Fisticuffs, but even just squaring up between Hearts players, I, I'm sure there have been, have been some. But I was racking my brain. I don't know if you can think of any other moments.
1: No, not not. that comes off. That. I mean, Levine Hogg's the obvious one. Yeah. Um, but if you, it, I'm sure it happens all the time in changing rooms when you're down oh, or of course, when yeah. you're behind or on training grounds when a nasty challenge comes in. Some of the boys at work. Um, Burley talks about. Um, Things at Celtic, um, when, when they were training... the McKinley and
0: Larson, maybe? Remember yeah, <laughs> I
1: mean, yeah, there, there, there's, there's a lot, but a lot of it, what, what clubs try and do is they try and keep it in-house for obvious reasons. Yeah, of but course. Well, A lot of it gets out, but, but Hog Levine is, is the, the main one
0: for Hearts. Uh, in terms of uh, Mellies and Stramashes, uh, Scott Coburn says the 3-3 scuffle at Perth, which i mentioned last time, he says one of my son's first games sat in serene mixed family stand, responsibly seethe silently at home uh fan comments as we go one what <laughs> three one down, slight fist pump at three two, gloves off at the scuffle, I don't know literally gloves off and um, and then turning around for three swift, get it right up his assembled farmers at three three. I-, I' could put a quick clip of <laughs> some of the the moments in that game now. Oliver and Mackay, it's blocked. Nicholson, surely, eventually it goes in. It's Sam Nicholson. Well, there's all sorts of afters going on in the net. Patterson's in there with Manus and Stevenson, and it's all just boiling over a little with just a minute left to play. And it's not finished yet for Ryan Stevenson, who has been sent off. This exchange with Manus has resulted in the hearts player being sent off and manis will follow him hearts aren't finished yet though king wilson they're level now it's 3-3 what an incredible game here at McDermott park and it was it was a crazy game that it, 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 it's, it's quite funny i'm just thinking So johnson does have this family stand and it, I don't think they tend to do it as much now, but definitely back the first time I went to McDermott Park about 20-so years ago, my dad took me in the family and so you were mixed. You had some St. Johnson and some Hearts fans, and I always find it a bit odd, teams still doing that, It's just because it's very difficult to for fans not to say things that will, I guess, irk the other team's fans.
1: Yeah, yeah. What, one of my first visits to McDermott Park um wasn't long after it opened, we won five nil in December nineteen ninety one. And we we were we were a right good team back then. Um and Lindsay Hamilton, if I remember rightly, was sent off early doors and Tommy Turner, who was a nasty bastard of a midfielder. <laughs> he was this little naff in midfield. He's the type of player you'd want in your team, but when he's in the opposition, oh my god. He had skin that looked like when you cut into a 400-year-old tree and you see all these <laughs> rings. He had skin like a smoker of 400 Benson and Hedges a day would have. Oh, he was at just a nasty bastard. And with the goals coming, I mean, we, we got five goals um, in that one, and four of them were scored past him. That was joyously pleasing.
0: Another question that was put out last week was VAR. And uh, we've talked about VAR before, whether you're for it or against it, so we're not going to get into that debate. I'm sure it will come up again at some point. But this was more um, in terms of big decisions or big moments that have maybe been missed by officials and which ones uh, you th- could think of that would ch- would have changed the course of not just Games for Hearts, but maybe tournaments for Hearts either for or against down the years. So if VAR had been in existence, how would it have affected Hearts games of the past? Uh, Always a jambo, (laughs) just says, assuming the VAR studio would be in Glasgow, I doubt that it would make any difference for us. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Amaruso lets it run. Reiterate a point that we said last week. Good chance that McCoyce would have got a penalty in the 98 Mm. Cup final. He also says John Rankin uh, would not have got the penalty at Easter Road in 2010, although we still won that game anyway. Um, Stephen Reid says the foul on Big Henry by Roy Aitken at Parkhead in the cut match, which ended up the winning goal for them. Uh, that's uh, Celtic turned around and scored twice, and I think he did. He knocked the ball out of Henry's hands. A was that, that
1: was that not the semi at Hamden?
0: Yeah, uh, was it Hamden? Was it?
1: Yeah, I mean there
0: was a or semi. Maybe, maybe he dropped thought of, the of, Sorry, yeah, I think unless yeah, it's a different games.
1: he dropped the ball in one of them. Um, which I think was for I think Walker? that was '88 semi-final Walker, for Andy Walker, I believe.
0: Unless you're um, thinking of a different game, and I'm just not because it's before my time, so there might be a game at Celtic Park that I've.
1: Yeah, m- maybe. I mean, I remember we, whenever we were drawn at Celtic Park in the league. I remember Davy Syme, referee the quarter-final. We got thumped and and we had a couple sent off. There was also one. Um, I'm sure the Hearts goal, and I haven't I haven't checked it in ages. I'm sure the Hearts goal against Celtic in the '88. Cup semi-final that put us 1-0 up was it a Whittaker cross in McPherson <laughs> um, I, I don't know if it was GBH on, on Bonner, my <laughs> mind might be playing tricks on me but but we got away with it
0: You um, were kind of allowed to back then, you can't really challenge goalkeepers now uh, though
1: Oh, I, I've, I don't know if I've told the story before but I have I want to tell it again, Hearts Cup semi-final Sunday, St Mirren uh, Cup quarter-final sorry Tynecastle, St Mirren late 80s um, Sandy Clark, and basically, uh, he had this thing with Campbell money and that money was shit scared of him. And Sa- Sandy sent Campbell into next week um, with with a a challenge. Now, you'd probably be banned from football for. But back <laughs> then, not even know if he got a yellow card for it. It was just a good, honest challenge. Campbell was unable to continue. They put, now this is testing me, I think they might put Neil Cooper in goal, the centre-back, the blonde-haired centre-back, not the Aberdeen guy, the other one, and uh and, and we comfortably won that, that quarter final. Um but that was that was in the days where it, it, it annoys me and it, and it's frustrating sometimes listening to Jimmy and, and some of the guys I work with as well because ah, oh, there's never a foul back in my day. Yeah, the laws have been written and changed so many times since your day, Jimmy. And we get that. We, we it's it's different and now it's it's so much more sanitized, which to an extent you look at the Cosgrove challenge on Christopher Eyer. At Celtic Park recently. That was that, that wasn't even a foul in days gone by. Did you think that was a red card now? Aberdeen didn't, McInnes didn't, and their chairman Dave Cormack's come out and and Haberdon and Lennon's now had a go at Cormack. Did you think that the Cosgrove Challenge on Ayer should have been a red card recently?
0: It's gonna get into a similar debate that we had about Ben Guruccio where I think the interpretation of the rules is this, this idea that you can't leave the ground. I think it's always gonna be a red card these days, but I'm still slightly dubious about the fact that I don't think it, I think referees have got this thing where if you, if you leave the ground now, if you jump towards a challenge, you're gonna get sent off. And I think there's still, there's still room for interpretation there. But it's, I, I th- yeah. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. At all. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have, I, I, I wouldn't I have bothered it. appealing it if I was if I'd been Aberdeen.
1: No, no, it was never going to it was never going to succeed. But he's not endangered the the, the safety of an opponent. Uh, was it reckless? Did he use excessive force again? But this is this is what we are these days, and, and this is what we've become. And it's not a case of oh, back in my day it was it, it wasn't even a foul. It's a case of play to the whistle. For, with regards to VAR, we've seen that this season that defenders stop and the guy continues, scores, and the, the goal's actually allowed. You've just you've got to be so up to date if you're a player, and I see it so often. Players, when a ball hits a referee now, since the new uh, laws came in on the 1st of June, if a ball hits a referee, say Hearts pass it to another Hearts player, and the ball hits the referee and ends up at an Aberdeen player, then it's a drop ball and Hearts get it. It's an uncontested drop ball. Yeah. Because the possession has changed with the referee. We did a piece yesterday in the Man City. Alan McGregor I'm,
0: didn't realise either, though. I don't think. Did well, go, so
1: so many met, don't yeah. realise that. Like, why isn't it, why isn't it a drop ball? Well, it is a drop ball, but it's uncontested. So many of the players don't know the laws, and that is the biggest problem. Because so many of the fans don't know the laws as well. They're like, how 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 how's that offside? Yeah, well, but because it is. Oh, but his but his arm. No, his arm's not a playing part. There's so many people that don't actually, and it's it's difficult for that. It's the that. same
0: with, you see it quite often, I can't remember, we'd given away a penalty, or we'd won a penalty, it was, it was earlier this season, and there were so many calls for a red card, but it's not Triple now, jeopardy. Yeah, it's not now, unless there's no attempt to play attempt the ball. you make an attempt
1: to play the ball, yeah, and that, that's why people say, why wasn't he sent off? Aye, well, there's loads of people be, around going, it's yeah. a red
0: card. How's he not going oh, it's, off? He's clean through. It, it's like because he tried it, to yes. play the ball.
1: So he's tried to play the ball. Uh, hasn't got there. It's a penalty. Yeah. Um, but it's but it's a yellow card. And the other thing, we did a piece yesterday, Manchester City against Sheffield United. Uh, John Fleck goes for the ball. The referee gets in the way. Sheffield United kind of stop. The ball's then played through by De Bruyne and Aguero scores. The goal's allowed. Should it have been allowed?
0: Well, oh, I didn't watch the game.
1: Okay. Well, so for those that did, the answer is yes, because the referee is, is an integral part of the game. The ball did not hit the referee. But because he was impeding the player, he's part of the, he's part of the pitch. He's part of the game. It's his fault that he's, he's not out of the way enough, but nothing illegal has happened there. Yeah. But Sheffield United are saying that goal should be chalked off. It's just, it's bad positioning by a referee, but you're not going to change the, the laws the laws could be tweaked for handball and various things by IFab um this summer. Nothing's gonna get done during the during the season. But for something like that, that's just down to poor refereeing and that his position um was poor. But Sheffield United, you've got to you've gotta keep playing on. You've got to keep playing on. I've got one by the way that I remembered this is to do with VAR, if it had been involved in, in certain games. And I was going to um uh, I wasn't going to mention it last week. I remembered it after last week's podcast. I'm going to take you back to January 2012. Any idea of the game? The 7th of January 2012.
0: Uh, the 7th. January 2012, I would think you'd be talking about Ock Lake. Uh, yeah. When they yeah, scored so... a perfectly good equaliser. <laughs> there
1: you go. Gordon Pope had the ball in the back of the net, but uh, John Beaton, the referee, ruled it offside. I, fe- I <laughs> actually <laughs> felt
0: sorry. I felt sorry for them with that.
1: Well, the other thing is as well, if I'm a Hearts fan, I would have loved a <laughs> replay down at Beechwood. And that would have been great if they could have, I think it's Beechwood Park that they play. Um, they they hosted Air United, and I'm sure the powers that be would have said, no, no, you've got to play it at Somerset Park or Pomarnock or, or whatever. But that would have been proper football. Imagine um, imagine the ticket scramble for an away game against Stock and Leg. Um but that, if VAR had been involved back then, of course the, the goal would have stood, and uh, and we would have we would have had a replay, whatever it it would have been. But I just thought it was an it was an interesting uh, kind of question to to put out there about VAR. Uh, had it have been involved, I think from from all the examples that we've seen, I'll, too many of them are gone against Hart, so we can keep VAR out of Scottish football.
0: Well we've got quite a lot of responses that I've I've not got to. Because you 'cause you digress so much. Um well, one of, let's one get of them was them quickly because I've dinner to cook. <laughs> One of them was in the Scottish Cup and this is an interesting one. It's from Hearts Heritage. So this is the Hearts Museum, so I'm gonna guess it was Davy Allen who was replying. He says Scottish Cup quarter final, twentieth of December, eighteen ninety. Davy was there. <laughs> East Stirlingshire won. <laughs> Hearts 3. Hearts' second goal appeared to be offside. Jimmy Adams cleared (laughs) a ball that appeared to have crossed the line. Hearts would have been losing 2-1 rather than winning 2-1 and wouldn't possibly have gone on to win their first Scottish Cup.
1: There you go. go. Um, Um, I'll, I'll, I'll keep the tangent brief. Who was the Hibs player who scored against Hearts? Was it a free kick and it was miles over the line? Lee was it Griffiths?
0: Yeah, that was mentioned by um, Alan Meikle. Uh, okay. F- Fisas, red card versus Celtic. Maloney yep. dives. Says Gordon Turnbull. Mm-hmm. There's a few others. Um, uh, the Mike Galloway goal in Vienna when um, Carmen Car- <laughs> yes. Carmen what Carter says he was in about Dalry when the ball <laughs> was played through. Uh, here's one for you though. I'll, I'll finish with this one because this is this is one that I don't know if I've. Certainly not discussed before with you. So Tommy1874 mentions this one. So Alan Meikle as well and Graham Cuthbertson. So Tommy uh, says Sandy Clark fouled in the box, Dens Park 1986. We score that, we win the league and do the double. The end. Now, because it's before my time, just, um, I was born later that month.
1: That's that's, that's, that's brought back memories. I've
0: seen the goals in clips, but I've not wanted to go oh, watch the game. So I've not sat, I've not Sam Wall
1: that whole game. So Stone And do you know what do you know what makes it worse? Match referee that day was Bill Crombie, who was a he was a Hearts fan. Uh, he's admitted, maybe not publicly, but he's certainly admitted to people who've then made it public he should have awarded a penalty. It was a penalty all, all day long.
0: So he's a Hearts and fan as well, and he was
1: Bill Crombie is, do you, yeah. Or do you I think, don't know if he's still alive.
0: Do you think um do you think if that's the case that you're maybe thinking, oh, if I've got even a, a a tiny, a slither of doubt here, I can't give it because if I give the penalty that wins hearts, the league for the first time in a, a couple of decades, is that going to, how is that going to go down?
1: I think, I think the appointment was wrong. Okay. People knew of it. Um, it's like, when was I, that a nil-nil nil, first...
0: nil, then when they got the penalty?
1: I think so. I believe so. Cause the, the, the two goals were late on. Um, it's like when I did my first Hearts-Hibs commentary, uh, having done um, Hearts for so long. I was, I was, I'm not saying biased. I don't believe, commentators are not biased, but you're, you're cognizant of the fact that you, yeah. you don't want to be perceived as a jambo. So you go, you go too far the other way to begin with before okay. you realize how you can level things out. I'm going to listen back to them I'm like, Jesus Christ, if I'm a Hearts <laughs> fan listening to this, I'm thinking, who's this Hibs prick?
0: It's why we got Hibs TV on. <laughs>
1: exactly. But it's it's totally subconscious. But you, you're aware that you don't want to be perceived as the jambo. Yeah. And I, d- I don't know. I mean, does, does that go through your head? The split-second decision that Bill Crombie's got to make? Um, It's it's just one of those things. It's, it's It made 98 even more special. Put it that way. But I would have loved to have won the league that year.
0: So finally, before we go, uh, we've not got a game to look ahead, to, and We will be back on uh, well before our next game, which is in the Scottish Cup against air Uh you're going to give us your team for the the second half of the season, Mark.
1: I am. i would like to get your thoughts on this as well. Yeah, definitely. So the, 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 this is the players that are all, or these are the players that are already at the football club. I don't know who we're going to sign. Uh he clearly wants to make some changes, but for what we have to choose from right now, I've picked a 4-2-3-1. I've got okay. Joel Pereira in goal. I've got Smith at right back, Halkett, Suter and Hickey at left back. The two holders are Andy Irving and Peter Haring. Um, midfield trio in front of them, basically part of a front four. Sean Clare on the right, um, Rio Meschino on the left, and either Jamie Walker or Stephen Naismith playing the number 10 role behind Connor Washington. Now, there is um, no Stephen Naismith there if Walker starts, but again, Naismith's probably not going to be fit for the entirety of... He's going to be fit for any of the second half of the season. So, Walker or Naismith. In contention, Garuccio, Damour, Henderson... Bozanic, although he's up at the end of the season, Morrison and Uche, not for me, Bobby Zlamal, who's still under contract for one more season after this, Christoph Berra, Jamie Brandon, who's out of contract, Di who's out of contract in the summer, Stephen McLean, who's out of contract, Glenn Whelan, who's out of contract, uh, Craig Whiten, who's not up until 2021, Eddie White, and Jake Mulraney, who, if we can get him to Atlanta then I think we could all chip in and uh partially pay the airfare. So what what do you make of the four two three one? Pereira, Smith, Halkett, Souter, Hickey, Irvin and Harring, Claire, Naismith or Walker, Meschinot and Washington?
0: I like it. Um I'm still not convinced that we have, in terms of goalkeepers, I said this um, before the game.
1: This is is what we've got to work with. I'd like to think Craig Gordon comes in in the the summertime, but based on what we have, we're not going to sign a goalkeeper in in, in January. We've got a guy on loan and two under contract. It's not ideal, but take take that out of the equation. What about the 10 outfielders in the 4-2-3-1?
0: I like it, I mean you certainly you have Smith in there there's there's no doubt that he's one of our best players so him at right back works, Hickey on the left he's, he's done very well he's one that's still performed in the last um, even with a few games where the team as a whole weren't um, Halkett and Suter, I'd be delighted to get Suter back, I think that'll, like I said with Washington yes. up the top end of the park, I think it would make a world of difference to have Suter there taking the ball out, you'd have two then who can take the ball out, Halkett can do it, not quite as well as Suter, but I think he can do it um, so I like that Haring and Irving. I think that would be a really good pairing because you got Haring who, who does a lot of the simple things, but he's yep. he's a, a kind of an anchor man in there, which would be very crucial and and <laughs> stay allow, classy, yeah, and allow and allow Irving to, to be more of a playmaker from deep. I think he suits that well. You saw it against Aberdeen. Uh, the Washington, yeah, definitely Washington up top. I think he would be important. The three behind. Still interesting because I agree. I think Meshino, especially coming off the left, or like I said to you before we came on air, I think he could play any of the, the three yep. uh, in particular coming off the left or in the centre. The other two positions are interesting. So on the right, now Claire's been terrific actually recently, he's you know been the most improved player under Daniel Stendel. I still don't know where he's best. <laughs> position no. is on the part because no. I, he's don't, what, I don't think it's a yeah. right back. No he's played I, well but I think he's someone who's yeah. still looked out of position though playing well. I think
1: uh, I think he's more of a creator. I, I, I'm happy enough with him in, the, in that position yeah, and I think with the front four you, you have you have that protection in behind of Irving and Haring to, to allow the front four um, to, to be yeah. a little bit more creative hopefully.
0: And Walker Naismith is interesting because Walker I don't think he's Quite been firing yet since he's returned. I know he had the injury and stuff, but I think there's possibly more to come from him. We've seen all these heat maps out there that basically show that Walker is not doing a lot of work on the pitch. That won't that won't work for Daniel Stendel if that ends up being the case. You know, he's a talented player, Walker, but one of his one of the issues and one of the things that I suppose put him in maybe the Hearts fans' bad books before was his application and his work rate. That won't fit into to how Daniel Stenhouse approaching, so I think it's going to be a big moment for Walker when he's available again because I think he's going to have to buy into it a lot.
1: I think he will. I think he will. I think he's he's that he's part of that kind of younger. jet I know he's, he's like he's not thirty, but I think he'll he'll realise that it didn't work for him down south when he thought they had the riches and he would move to a bigger and better thing after Wigan or whatever. This is his second chance, and if if it dawns on him that hey, I, I better I better get get my game up. Um, I think it will. I think, he, he's my one B. Naismith is my one A. is my first choice when available, yeah, if yeah. not Walker. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with that. I and like the you, look of then, it. Um... Yeah, yeah. And by the way, Liam Lindsay, if we can get him, he's a player. Yeah, he's a player. Um, Mamie Diouf, uh, again, getting on a bit as a striker, but still got a fair bit of pace. Came on recently for for Stoke, it's not like he's way out of the picture. And he wouldn't, he'd still be pretty match fit. Good, good player um and I think he'd be he'd be alright. Um he'd be a nice option and a nice alternative. Uh where you could go four four two, you could have Diof and Washington in attack uh if we do get the pair of them um, Liam Lindsay as well from Stoke.
0: And um uh a table was one that was also mentioned, but I, I I did raise an eyebrow when I looked and saw that a year ago, Stoke paid over £6 million for the Nigerian international. I don't know if his name's just getting thrown in there with the other with the other three, because as a goalkeeper they've released. Lindsay, you mentioned, um, Juve, and then there's Peter Etebo. But um, it would seem bizarre if we managed to get someone from them who, even if it's a loan deal, who they've paid over £6 million for a year ago.
1: Well, they'd be paying... The most yeah. of his wages,
0: uh, but just in terms of what we've got. So I'm just interested in looking at the players you've said a definite no to, and uh, or ones that will be out of contention, in particular when their contract goes up. So Jake Moraney. Now he was he was very poor against Hibs, and then wasn't in uh, against Aberdeen. I have to say, one of the I'm, I'm one of these where I didn't really get the outrage at him wearing um, earphones uh, in the warm up, but. I, I said I probably felt more outrage at how poor he was on the pitch. I
1: think the biggest story there was missed. How far is the range of his bloody Bluetooth?
0: That's <laughs> impressive. But um, but in terms of his play, it's, it's an odd one, Moroney, because he, he came onto a game a couple of times, and you would think, given the fact he's a energetic, pacey player, that he's one of the few players that might have fitted into a a Daniel Stendel team. But you're saying is he is he done for you though? Just with his kind of I guess recent performances.
1: He's done if we got a bid from Atlanta.
0: Oh, no, no, yeah, yeah, I, I, agree, I agree with that. that, that
1: that's why. If we don't, then then he stays. He's in the contract till 2022. But okay. Okay. if if Atlanta are keen to, to, to sign him, um, if we could get a 6 for it, even if we got 100 grand, I know 200's been been mentioned. But the thing that still sticks in the craw about Mulraney is the red card at Motherwell. Knowing mm. fine well there's a new manager coming in. That really irked me because... That just is complete disregard for his teammates, for himself, for Daniel Stendel, for the fans. That's I'm, I'm not having that. That left a bad taste in the mouth. He, that, that's just petulance and a kind of well, fuck you. And I, I didn't like that at all. From from Mo, we all make mistakes, but come on, there was there was no need for that whatsoever. And the the first thing you want to do when a new manager comes in is make sure you're available for selection. You might not be picked. But if you're suspended, that ain't happening. That was foolish.
0: Okay. Well, I like the look of that. Um, plus potentially some some new signings in January. Uh, before we go, Mark, are we going to put any homework out there? We yes, yes. I've, got, I've okay. got
1: homework. I've got homework for the new for the new year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now you can choose. This is a choose your own adventure slash homework. Laurie Dunsar gets to choose the option for these two.
0: Okay. Okay. We're only
1: having one this this uh, this next week. So the obvious one is your heart's related New Year resolution.
0: Okay. Okay. Okay.
1: And the second one, which we can keep if you don't want to use it just now, if you want to use the resolution, is simply hashtag limbs L I M B S. What's the most danger you've put yourself in by (laughs) celebrating wildly a heart's goal? Now the obvious one would be Templeton or Uz or the Cup final. You're only allowed one. You're not allowed more than one pick. Hashtag limbs, L I M B S. Your choice. Which one of those two would you like to choose?
0: Oh, uh, we can save the second one for another time. I think I like the New okay. Year's resolution for for now. Um we can okay. obviously go back to the other one. So yeah, your your new your hearts related New Year's resolution. So is this is this in terms of hearts as a team or the fans anything, themselves you, want. anything, you, want. Just anything any, you want any hearts related New Year's resolution be that yes. personal the club the team uh, okay I like that so we'll, we'll put that out there as a homework for next week so get in touch uh, you can tweet us at around the funnel or you can email podcast at scarves the funnel dot co dot UK we will be back in 2020 in a week's time um, so we'll have one next week and possibly the week after as well. I'll, I'll be going to, to Rome to, to watch a football game there in the meantime, but I'm sure we'll manage to, to work something out just to keep things ticking over over the winter break.
1: Happy New Year, everyone, when it yes. comes. happy and
0: New please, Year. And please,
1: please let only an excuse be better than the shite we've had over the last few years.
0: <laughs> I don't even know if I'll bother watching, but there you go. Anyway, um, yeah, Happy New Year. Thanks for tuning in. You know, in another year, we might have put homework out there for the best hearts moments of the year. And I could have put some clips in, but to be honest, 2019 has been shite. So I'm not going to do that. Um, Hopefully this time next year, we'll have a wonderful array of moments to pick from and we can give you a wonderful montage of big goals and big, big moments, but not this time. So um, thank you for listening uh we'll we'll see you next time happy new year and let's hope that 2020 is a more prosperous one for those of a maroon persuasion so no one told you life was gonna be this way your job's a joke, your love life's the young joke broke cuz that's the way it's like you're always stuck in second year. But when it hasn't been your day